to Speech Bubble, the podcast that goes one-on-one with Toronto's comic book luminaries, with your host, Aaron Broverman. Hello, fanboys and fangirls. Welcome to the next episode of Speech Bubble. I am your host, Aaron Broverman. And with me today is a Gene Day Award winner. Uh, Gene Day was a independent comic creator in the 70s and 80s. Uh, Cerebus creator Dave Sim cites him as a mentor. And the Schuster Awards, which if you don't know are the Canadian Comic Book Awards, they have an award named after Gene Day that's for independent comic creators. And with me today is James Edward Clark. Hello. And he won that award for 2015 for his comic Evil, which is this highly detailed comic with, like, the devil and biker gangs. And he his style is super, super detailed. You may have seen, if you live in Toronto, he got uh, momentarily famous because he drew uh, this hyper-realistic picture of Rob Ford. And there's, there were, like, stickers and stuff oh, I've all over Dozens the city. and dozens of pictures of Rob yeah, Ford, and, actually. Yeah, so, so, but it's, like, Rob Ford in all his sweaty, wrinkly glory, well, basically. He's, he's my councilman. That's sort of... I have kind of a chip on my shoulder. I actually grew up in his ward with uh, him representing me like really yeah so okay so why don't we start there what was it like growing up in in rob ford uh yeah i grew up in rexdale as we call it not the best area of toronto you know it's there is like a lot of public housing lower income um, households but uh you know there are other parts of toronto with similar situations it's not quite as bad and like in retrospect you know having a 350 pound degenerate drug act representing your interest on it's city hall probably didn't help <laughs> so i have kind of a chip on my shoulder about the guy honestly yeah because he he didn't really help your community that much from where you're standing right or uh i just see him as just this really incompetent really kind of just person oozes vile and i think um you know i think that comes through in the pictures there's just other contempt in every line yeah, yeah, for sure. Like you see, I think, the... I think people res- are like I. You were saying I had a picture. I've I've actually put together a whole little booklet, a little zine of about twenty four or so pictures of him. Yeah. I gave you one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have one of those. Yeah, I gave yeah, it to you for sure. When the last time I saw you, yeah, and these are actually really popular right now. I've done three printings so far of these, and I'm probably two thirds done this last one I've done. I think people are just ready to laugh about him now that he's. Uh, you know, yeah. winding down there. So, uh, so yeah. So like, that's the thing. And and because I kept hearing about your comic, I got really interested in in you and what you were doing and stuff. So I picked up all the issues. I remember I went to the last year's uh, Schuster Awards ceremony. Yeah, that's yeah. where we met. Yeah, I yeah, remember. Yeah. I was talking to Kevin, who organizes it. Kevin uh, Boyd. Yeah, he was having. Rewards. They had it. He had a store, the Comic Book Lounge, and uh, you walked by with uh, the first two issues, and I just had printed the third. So, you know, picking them all up. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's when I I saw your comic, and I'm like, man, like this guy, he he's got this really unique style it's sort of it's sort of like hyper realistic and sort of in your face yeah but at the same time sort of like fantastical 
and and I and I read them and I was I was blown away. So that's why I have you on the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. But like generally, the way that we 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 start is like I mean, you told me you grew up in Rexdale, right? But what I want to know is sort of growing up in Rexdale. What was your first sort of introduction to comic books? Growing up, you know, I would always get um, comic books in my stocking for Christmas. I remember my first ever comic book was a Superman Action Comics comic with uh, the, the New Gods and Darkseid. And, uh, you know, I remember being utterly confused by it because it was uh, Superman was brainwashed by Granny Goodness into being like a, a minion for Darkseid and then had no context for the uh, Jack Kirby Fourth World stuff. And I went, that was, must have been five or six. And then when I was seven years old, they killed Superman. It was a big news story. And I think the Christmas, my dad got the the trade collecting the death of Superman. I remember spending more time reading that than when I ate my toys. And then for my eighth birthday, my grandmother got me a subscription to Superman. And uh, that was like the reign of the Superman. You ever see that Max Landis video where he talks about... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that was kind of like uh, how I got like real into comics and sort of fell in love with them. That was, I would get an issue of that every week, right? And you had each issue would be... Um, one of the, one of the four Superman. You, yeah. know, you had Superboy and Steel and what was the what was the one with the sunglasses called? The Annihilator or something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I got I gotta sort of update our audience here. So like after Superman died, it was like competition for the mantle kind of thing. Yeah, you had a bunch of people step up and try and fill Superman's spot. So that's where you got Steel and then a clone of him as Superboy and um a Kryptonian ghost took over his corpse and Yeah, there were like there was there was like cyborgs. Yeah, and he turned out to be evil and it was this big sprawling story that went on for a year and destroyed um, Green Lantern's home city. It was a, just a big thing. For those that are watching Supergirl right now, uh, Cyborg Superman or Hank Henshaw is on uh, Supergirl, so oh, we'll, have to, we'll have to see where that goes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you got in through like after the death of Superman, which is sort of an awkward time to get involved in comics because that's like... It's like the boom time oh, yeah. in the nineties. Oh yeah. Well it was But it's sort of after the hype around around like the death of Superman and that kind of thing. It was thing still too. within like the, the, the sales bubble or uh, speculation bubble in the nineties. Yeah. But it was just as the bubble was about to burst too. Like yeah. there was a comic book store up the hill from me and I used to go up there and I got into reading Spawn. Uh, mainly just because of Greg Capolo's art, I just fell in love yeah, with Greg Capolo's I, art. I was a big Spawn fan, and the I reason- never, I you know, would uh, spend all my allowance on Spawn comics, and I would never read them because they were just these giant bricks of text that would take forever and never really said anything too important. But I just really loved uh, Greg Capolo's art. Yeah, I think that's what what got me into it too. Yeah, and I was also looking for sort of a bridge between. Like your average superhero comics, like your Batman and your Spider-Man and whatever, right. to like your more mature Vertigo titles. But I wasn't quite ready for that yet, and I hadn't been introduced to that. But I was sort of like, you know, I was I was a early teenage preteen person, and I, I we're ne- about the same age. Yeah, yeah. and I, I needed like a. You know, like Spider-Man and Batman eventually became kind of lame and I needed yeah. something more violent and more mature. And yeah, I went uh, to Spawn before I found like the actual mature comics. Like I'm kind of the same Dark way. Dark Returns. Yeah. Yeah. When, when you're nine years old, Spawn seems really like edgy. Yeah, and, uh, yeah exactly. You know, because there's blood and violence and stuff, but it is pretty silly. There's actually a guy online, uh, 
Captain Logan. He has a channel, Geekvolution, I think it's called. Yeah. He he did this thing where he reviewed a Spawn comic every day for uh, a year. So, okay. Yeah. And um, it was this whole like crazy fiction he had where he was stuck inside a, a graveyard and eventually turned into Spawn. Well, at first he went insane and then he turned into Spawn. Like He would do the reviews in like a Spawn costume and everything. Wow. But yeah, he w- basically went through it issue by issue and it's just this you you watch it all the way through and it's just this complete mess where they just kept they had no idea what they were doing, no plan for it. Yeah, I stopped reading after issue 100 because I thought I stopped, oh yeah, yeah. It, after issue 100 there's totally going to be resolution. They kill the main bad guy, Melbogia. Right. And like you're like, "Okay, that's the main bad guy he's fighting since like number this 1." This is what you signed up for. And right? then it you just know? and yeah. then it just continued inexplicably. You find yeah. out Oh, it Melbogia, went on for another yeah, another Hundred and fifty issues. Yeah, so Melbogia isn't the real devil that you've been led to believe right. that he is, and there are higher circles of hell that Spawn right. has to conquer. So it just sort of went on and on and on and on. And by the time issue one hundred hit and sort of disappointed me, <laughs> I uh, I was on to bigger and better things. I dropped off ar- around the movie because the movie I was so psyched for the movie because it was so high on Spawn and yeah. it was just the worst I remember the it was movie, just yeah. other shite even for like 1997 the effects were terrible oh man and just um, uh, yeah that kind of, the movie kind of killed it for me oh crazy so after Spawn where did you go from there I, uh, you know by the time I got out of it the, you know the bubble was had burst and uh, the comic book shop up the hill for me had closed and I guess I took a little break for a few years but I would start got I, I started getting back into it a little bit I would read stuff like Robert Crumb uh, you know read, read a little Love and Rockets I read Peter Beck's Hate and it was just you know stuff you'd go to the bookstore and buy in collections right yeah, I see a lot of influence from, like, the underground comic scene in what you're doing. Oh, yeah. With evil. Yeah, Robert Crumb is, like, a huge influence on me. I think um, he's the he's the guy I realized, you really can do anything in comics. It doesn't matter. It's so cheap to produce, and it's you, one person can do it. Like, you could, if it's good, you can put it out there. Hopefully, find an audience. Yeah, I mean, and it doesn't I mean, really matter what you want. And those are the underground comics with like the the like sweaty sex and yeah. like sort of the lampooning of of life and there, there's all really this risque, subversive, subversive yeah. humor and stuff. So yeah, no, I definitely see a lot of that in in what you're doing. The other thing with people. Robert Crumb is if you actually like follow his career, he gets better as he gets as he gets older. In the '60s, compared to the stuff he was doing in the '80s, uh, it's completely different, and it's just uh, you know he never stopped working on his craft and getting better. A couple of years ago, he did like an illustrated version of the Book of Genesis. Oh yeah, no, I did have you ever that. Read it? Yeah, oh yeah, I no, I, I, um, I'm a, a lifelong atheist, but I, I read that, and I got about a quarter through it, and it was like epiphany uh you know bolt of lightning to my head like holy shit people don't read this this doesn't even make sense like what is this like yeah. this is nonsense it was crazy and and what i really would love him for him to do and I, and i hope he goes back to doing like biblical illustrated versions of the biblical text is 
I would love to see a Robert Crumb version of the Book of Revelations. <laughs> that would be insane. That <laughs> would be crazy. Because that's like, you know, the apocalypse. And it's like stuff. an acid trip awesome. or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That'd be so good. It's like stream of, it's like some crazy person stream of consciousness. Cool. Cautious about monsters and all this stuff. I know, exactly. So, yeah, like, that would you, be great. So, you're in the bookstore, you're collecting, like, the underground comics of, like, the 60s and, like, Robert Crumb and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Peter Lubeck's hate. Uh, uh, Peter Bag. Yeah. Are you say Baggy? I, I, I don't it's know. It's B A G G E, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah Baggy, yeah. I think, is, yeah. His, is his name. Yeah. Like, through that, the message that you got was, like, you could do anything in comics. Right. So, is that what sort of inspired you to like pursue comics as like a thing that you wanted to do just, I like i just really like drawing and like telling stories and stuff and uh you know i can sit all by myself all day in a room and draw and be happy as big and shit it's not really you know it's something i it's just what i want to do did that it's develop, like a compulsion you know? did that develop in parallel to your love of comics or yeah. did it take comics to get you into drawing no i was like i think it was parallel i was into drawing and, you know, I like telling stories and stuff. Uh, since I was a kid, then you could tell stories, you know, in sequence and stuff. So I think it's kind of a marriage of the two. It's cool. So, yeah, I was going to ask you, like, what what appeals to you about the form of com- of comics? You know, you can do anything with it for, like, no money. You can tell any story you want. You know, you could destroy the universe or have a very intimate uh, kind of romance story. doesn't really matter what genre. Uh, there's no limits to it. Other than you know how talented you are to you know your your ability to execute what you your vision right. But I mean, you could have been drawing other things like you could have been doing like picture books oh, yeah. or whatever, right? Like comics are a very specific animal in the sense that they have like the panels and the dialogue, right. dialogue balloons and stuff. So like, why comics? It's uh, a good question. I just like them, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, it's just because that's what you were reading. So yeah, it's just yeah, yeah. They got my they got their hooks into me early. I think is the key. I think it's with most people, and uh, it is really neat. And like you know, it's a great time to be a fan because there's so much coming out, so much good stuff coming out, and all different genres. You're not pigeonholed just to superhero stuff. Which, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. like, are you more, like, a superhero person? Or no, are you more no, of an I'm independent an indie. person? I'm a total indie guy. So what are your... Are you still collecting now? Uh, I just went to a snail today on the way over here. It's my what did you get? Yeah, let's, let's, let's see. Let's, let's go through here. Yeah, so what did you get? We got the Wicked and Divine. Wicked and Divine, which I which I kind of like. I kind of fell off of it, but... I but enjoy I, but I like it. it. Wicked and Divine is the comic where it's basically, like gods coming back as yeah, like they, teenagers they take over teenagers bodies they're teenagers are imbued with with the spirits of these ancient gods from different um belief systems they sort of become celebrities they're they're you know there's like the that the daft punk guy there's the guy who's supposed to be kanye west obviously there's the rihanna the girl's supposed to be rihanna and um you know um they're just huge celebrities but they're going to die in two years and um i'm not actually sure like where they're going with it at this point because they killed off the protagonist uh spoilers and uh, (laughs) what they killed the protagonist that's crazy the main the main girl who's been you know our window into the whole world uh she got killed her head exploded and it, that was like six issues ago. <laughs> still, wow! Yeah, That's but a, um, still pick it up though. Like we're not we're not trying to. Like, I'm on board. Like I'm I get I get the broad strokes of what they're doing, but it's just the little details of how this world actually works. Like 
reading it, I I thought they'd been around. The gods had been around for at least eight months to a year because they're so well established in society. But then they make references to the fact they've only been around for like three months, which seems weird. It's just little details like that that kind of like keeps me from being like full on. And I, yeah, 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 I got. Um, uh, Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale, Captain America White. Oh, I gotta get the I gotta get number four. I don't have number four. It yet. came out this week. They're doing. Oh shit! It, it took them like five years to do, but I, they're just like banging them out. One yeah, I'm collect. I'm collecting it because the thing about Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, they're doing these color books for. Well, they've been for, doing it for like for Marvel, ten years. But they've been doing it for ten years or longer. Like, yeah, fifteen. It's like Hulk, Hulk Gray. Gray. Spider-Man Blue, yeah, Daredevil, Daredevil Yellow. Yellow. Yeah. I, think, I think there's another one, too. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think Iron Man. Captain America White started, like, years ago. They, they put out issue zero years ago. And then they yeah. stopped for a long time. Years, and now, years. yeah, and now they're just start. They're just starting to pump out the actual issues. Yeah, I think they now. come out. They're, they're yeah. coming out twice a month yeah, with them. Yeah, and it's. I think there's one more after that, and then they're going to collect it. So yeah, it's ah, fun. it's fun. It's just a yeah, fun yeah. Captain America. So story. what's the next one? Uh, Southern Bastards number twelve. Jason, um, Jason Latour. Oh, they got a different. Right? This is usually with Jason Aaron, but uh, I just realized there's a different writer, Chris Berner. So I don't read Southern Bastards. What is Southern Bastards? Southern Bastards, it's kind of like uh, an HBO crime series based inside of a little southern bumfuck hick town out of nowhere that's obsessed with football. It's another one where they, you know, the guy you thought was going to be protagonist got killed <laughs> in the middle of the series, and the series just keeps going on without him. But it is excellent. They're I, using I, like the Game of Thrones model. All these comics, kind of, yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't actually seen Game of Thrones. Well, Game of Thrones is another one where well, they, know, where they yeah. kill the protagonist. Right. In the first I, I hear, I hear season. about it, but I've never actually sat down and watched yeah, it. But yeah, yeah. No, Southern Bastards, fantastic. Got Batman. Great. Got got to get my Greg Capullo fix. Yeah, Batman. Batman, I was totally into, but then eventually it's like it's um, like it's hard to like keep up with like the main. I'm the, kind of the main uh, books. I'm kind of over Scott Snyder, be honest. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't. Uh, the last couple of things he's done, I haven't really cared for, for the writing. But he works with such great artists, I can't end up buying it anyway, just because like, oh, I gotta get the new Sean Murphy book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and like and like Greg Capullo, like he he's a guy that you wouldn't expect to be like an artist. He's he's like this. This Brooklyn sort of oh, yeah, muscle no. kind of guy. He like did that he, interview with uh, Kevin Smith, and I I was really uh and uh that was really inspiring to me because he basically said everything I'd ever thought about him. Yeah, yeah. So what inspires you about Greg Capullo? Like, obviously he's an he's an influence. On uh, you, right? yeah, he's a huge influence. I think he's probably the guy I spent the most time as a kid sitting down trying to copy his uh, his pictures. It's just there's. Uh, real energy to his stuff. Everything, all of his figures are spot on. There's always like, um, there's so much detail and knows his, he's good at his kung fu. He's just master of kung fu. I always thought with Greg Capullo that it was very like raw and like street oriented. It is. And that's well, so, that's because he was doing Spawn because like Spawn sat in an alleyway for every Yeah, year. but he brought it, he brought that sensibility to Batman though too, right? Yeah. Like where the people that he draws, like the villains and even Batman to a certain extent had like the sort of angular sort of things were like jutting out a little bit there was there were like you know these like lines where it would where people would sort of have like they looked kind of angular looking he brought the flowing cape that he used to mm-hmm. do for spawn he mm-hmm. put that on batman 
right? Oh yeah. Well, he's done. He's just knocked out part with it. It's like you know, he went. He disappeared for like ten years. I think he got. I think he got divorced and had uh, problems with alcohol and health problems, and then um, met his wife now and. His wife came with two kids. They had to uh, pay for their college now, so he got back into doing uh, a monthly book, and now it's the biggest book out, the s- biggest seller for DC. Yeah, yeah, down. yeah, for sure. Like, you know, but yeah. So is that is that all you got? Is no, it, no, I got more here. Uh, we got Airboy. Uh, oh, Airboy, yeah, Airboy is fantastic. I picked the, up the first issue. I want to catch up and get the oh, rest it's of them. Tremendous. Yeah, it's Air- like, Airboy. It's like this. It's a. It's basically well, uh, James, about well, James Robinson and the artists yeah. are characters inside the book. It starts off. James Robinson is commissioned by the guy uh, who runs Image Comics to make an Airboy comic, which is Airboy is like this really lame public domain character from like the forties and fifties. He was yeah. popular, so James Robinson's like, I what, what am I how. How am I going to make up an Airboy comic? Like, what the hell am I going to do? So he he gets this idea from his wife. Oh, why don't you bring? Uh, the artists in and when you guys can bounce ideas off of each other and he does that but then they end up just drinking and doing a ton of drugs and they end up having like a three-way with this woman they meet in a bar yeah it's like it's like fear and loathing in las vegas it is it is as a as like a but instead of having to write an article right having to do a comic right and then at the end the twist is at the end of the first issue airboy actually shows up and then they inevitably end up in Airboy's world, right? And now this is uh, the last issue here, but yeah, a fantastic series. It's basically like James Robinson working through, like, uh, the peaking, picking up the pieces of his shattered life, basically. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh, his marriage fell apart, and he's like crazy bipolar motherfuckers. Yeah, we got, it's uh, cool. We got uh, the Twilight Children. This is Darwin Cook with uh, Gilbert Hernandez. I'm a big Hernandez brothers. Darwin Cook, Darwin he's, Cook a, he's a guy from Toronto. That's right. He, we, has we a, he has a book coming out later this year. Uh, it takes place in 1986, year I was born in Toronto. When and it's basically going to be about it's basically like semi autobiographical. That's awesome. Yeah. We should we should get him in here because he'd be perfect for this podcast. I think he like splits his time between Toronto and I think I, I'm not sure where he lives in. No, not yeah. Toronto. He lives um in Halifax, maybe. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, but he was in Toronto for like a long time. Right. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's uh, fantastic. I saw him at a convention, but I was too nervous to. Uh, talk to him because i've seen him in interviews he does not take any shit from nobody yeah, exactly. he's uh but he's great for interviews and uh fantastic art and uh finally the last thing i got is uh chewbacca with phil noto doing it oh yeah yeah phil yeah. noto's cool phil noto's fantastic he does a really good chewbacca it's just a fun kind of chewbacca story and like great phil noto art so you're you're like strong you're still like collecting oh you're, yeah you're... no i'm obsessed with this stuff man. yeah 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 that's I'm awesome. like a hardcore into this stuff so like what were so like what are your sort of sensibilities and activities that you did in conjunction with your drive because right now sitting here you you look kind of like a like a greg capullo sort of character you got like, kind of i kind of like, do you yeah. got you got kind of like i always i have a costume basically yeah, i yeah, wear yeah, like yeah, conventions yeah. and stuff with the hat and the sunglasses and the stuff yeah yeah like he's got he's got like the big like biceps and stuff you got like you got sort of a punk sensibility you got yeah like, well, the, i was a punk rock this, kid are you like a, were you like a skater growing no up? i was a punk rock kid okay burnout type guy dressed like a jerk and 
drank too much. So what was your so what was your life like? Like what was high school like and, high and those school, sorts of things? High school I was kinda like punk rock stoner guys, just drew a lot. And then went to art school after that. I went to Sheridan for five years. How is how was that going to Sheridan? How did like how did you like get in? Did you oh. did you always know that you wanted to be an artist? Yeah. Or? It wasn't really much it's really all I have uh, I'm really any good at or have any sort of interest in pursuing <laughs> my whole life, so it's kind of a foregone conclusion. But uh, yeah, Sheridan was good. You know, the thing about art school is there's nothing, there's no lesson they can give you or a piece of advice that will make you a good artist. It's just a matter of practice and plugging away at it. Bob Hart, what was the, the, the hippie painter? They had like a stream on Twitch. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Bob Roth. Boss, Bob Roth. It was like so uh, soothing just to hear him. But he, he, there's a gif I saw, you know, where he's just like, you know, um, talent is a pursued interest. In other words, anything you're willing to practice, you can do. And that's kind of, it's pretty right on. I think. That's kind of your philosophy. Yeah. As long as you practice, you can, you can do it. Yeah. When you went to art school, how did they feel? Like, what year was this? Like, like around what, I what time? I got around 2004 to 2009. So, how did they feel about comics as, as, like, a, as like, a medium back then? Because I know that, you know, it was years starting ago... To, it was starting to pick up, get a bit of prestige, you know? Like, by that point, uh, that Understanding Comics book by, what's his name? Scott McCloud. Scott McCloud, yeah. That had been out for, like... T- 15 20 years at that point you know mouse had been out for 15 20 years you know you'd have you had all those books that he sold in the bookstore that were yeah um you know and you know the superhero movies were starting to come out you know i think the first you know dark, uh the first of the nolan batman movies had come out at that point cool so and they it was like legit for your for your art school yeah like they, you know they did, there weren't too many projects that were um, comic related, but they didn't. They certainly didn't like sneer at anyone's ambition to do comics. I see, I see. But yeah, did you learn any like any like practical skills in art school in terms of like the form or like uh, you different just things like that? Do a lot of like uh, do a lot of life drawing. That was my favorite course. I still trying to go the life drawing. I go to um, Kagan McLeod. He he puts on uh, life drawing classes. Um, he does Capitera with Chip Sarkowski. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's doing Capitera. He's also really big. Uh, he's uh, a big media um, drawer for for like he does, National Post yeah. and different magazines and that kind of. He's thing. He's a really sought after uh, illustrator. Uh, he went to Sheridan too. He's uh, ten years before I graduated. Uh, yeah, and we he has life drawing classes in his studio, and sometimes you know Chip Sarkowski will come out sometimes. Um, uh, Ian Herring, who's a colorist for Marvel, does a lot of Marvel, will come out. Uh, Adam Gorham, my friend, he just came out last time I went. Yeah, and he's got a new comic coming out called The, the Violence. The Violence, the Violence yeah. yeah. Or is it The Violent or The Violence? Yeah, it's The Violent. Whatever, I'll buy it anyway. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> so what do you like about life drawing? Ah, uh, drawing naked people is fun. You know, <laughs> is it because they're naked, or uh, are there other aspects that you that you? It's like great about practice. It? It's just uh, you know, cool. Drawing naked people is fun, and you know, it's Kagan Studio, so we can drink too, and it's like uh, you know, just a nice laid back, relaxing time. You Knowing like with all these guys showing up at the studio, does it help you like network and stuff? Like, a little bit. are you? Are you able to sort of get a peek into the into the industry? A little bit, a little bit, you know. 
I'm just kind of keep plugging away until everyone notices me, basically, is my plan. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I think people are starting to notice. I'm starting to get some traction, you know. But you're, the- you, you started sort of, you're doing it how a lot of people do it, which is this, the indie way, right? Like, you, you just started publishing your own, your own books yeah, and doing I, the whole um, DIY thing, right? Yeah, I actually, like, cut and bind all these, too. Like, they're, like, basically handcrafted. Is that Every because century. of the punk rock sensibility from like the music that you were listening to while you were growing it's more up? More of a, it's more of a um, financial concern. Okay, <laughs> you know, explain. Uh, basically, what I do is uh, when I'm ready, I take it to the print shop. Just it's a print shop by my work, and they print out the pages on tabloid sheets, mm-hmm. sheets of tabloid, and then I take them home and I put them together, and I have a big guillotine. I cut them to size and I fold them and I cut them, and that's how I do it, and that enables me to print a copy a copy will a copy of my book will cost me 250 ish and then i sell for five basically oh, cool, cool so in theory and how I many hope. issues like how many copies do you print 400 500 it's a very small run very small run and do you want to keep it that way or is it just because the labor intensive the labor intensive uh, thing of the Printing and stuff. I think this next one is probably going to be the last one I do this in this manner. I think um, I'm about ready to move on to bigger pasture, bigger, better things. But um, uh, it is very labor intensive. It's a full time job on top of my full time job. Oh, okay. Yeah. So what do you? What is your full time job? I work in a factory. Ah, that's how I. Uh, so you you got the whole like blue collar. Oh yeah, like you're you're like one of the cool kids that I wanted to hang out in, in high, with, <laughs> in high a, school. I wasn't. I was not one of the cool kids in high school. Yeah, no, but like now you are. Like yeah, uh, like what were in high school? Did you get did you get like bullied or something? No, uh, in elementary school I got bullied, but uh, oh, okay. uh, I think. It was right after Columbine, all that stuff. So I was one of the kids people kind of uh, stayed away from, oh, really? or afraid of a little bit. Yeah, 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 even yeah. though I'm really harmless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're totally a harmless guy. Yeah, but it's kind of nice because like you kind of have like a don't give a fuck kind of kind of vibe, right? Like you just keep your head down and do your thing. I, I like to take a broad general view of things and okay. not uh, get too stressed out about too much. Just do what you like and don't try avoid things that cause you stress. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's a good philosophy. Yeah. So, like, how did you? I mean, you work in a factory. What do you make in your in the factory where you work? We make screens. You make screens. So, like, for TVs and stuff. No, for like water filtration types. Oh, okay, yeah. Because yeah. screens is sort of general. Like, yeah, well, yeah, thing, yeah. Right? So water filtration screens. So, like. And when did you get that job? You got out of high school. You went to Sheridan. Uh, and then do, what happened? Well, the house I was rent—I never graduated. The house I was renting burned down with me inside of it on what? Valentine's Day. Okay, okay, that's a whole wait, story. Wait a second. We gotta we gotta tell this story. So it's you're a long going, story. So too. you're going to Sheridan. Yeah, and you're just studying. You're you're doing your thing, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to was, your classes and whatever. Yeah. Do you and, know? Um, you ever meet uh, the fake injury party? The kids from the fake injury party? No. Uh, they Who do, are these people? They do their own little zines, and they do um, comedy routines and stuff. They're, they've been around for a while. I think they uh, one of them just moved out to Calgary or something. How were they connected to you? They were my roommates. Okay. Okay, so I move into this place. It's uh, my last year of school. By this point, I'm sort of pretty jaded to the whole and before and before this it's just like a regular like you're just doing the regular school thing i go yeah i would go to i would live in i would live in the dorms or the residence and i would uh 
I have my own apartment a few times, you know. And so I've done this whole thing, you know, moving out to Oakville for the year thing a couple, like four times at that point. Because so that's where Sheridan is in Oakville. Right, in Oakville. So it's old hat for me. So I procrastinate, procrastinate finding a place until school actually started. I didn't find this place until a week after uh, class had started. And I was like sleeping on the floor in <laughs> And this in is school. fourth year. This is... Yeah, my fourth year is my fifth year overall because I took our fundies, but my fourth year of illustration. And um, it was the first place I looked at. It was the only place I could afford. It was a complete dump. And I had like eight roommates. Can you describe it? Can you describe this it was complete like a, dump? It was like a little bungalow with uh, all the rooms had been converted into bedrooms. So they could pack as many people as they could in there. And the place was just in, you know, garbage everywhere and just... Uh, cockroaches and shit like I, I don't think we had cockroaches by the end we did have mice but uh that, yeah what the, street was it on oh i don't know it was oh. in like the back room it was in the back of the basement and i had my own kitchen okay. two bathrooms to choose from so i'm like could do worse and it's cheap and so i move in i basically keep myself the first week and i go up the friday to meet my roommates for the first time and they're like yeah we're gonna have some people over they're going to come dressed in fake injuries and then we're going to have mud wrestling uh once everyone's good and drunk right so that's where the that's why they call themselves fake injury party so 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 fake injury party like what's the idea of that like it's just you come dressed in fake injuries like you know i sat there watching my house fill up with like uh skiers with like impaled on uh impaled on their skis and like you know surgeons with scalpels coming out of there this is art school right so everyone's trying to top themselves all these kids are going overboard with their costume you go up to like some girls with like bruises on their fake bruises on their face like what's your fake injury ask my boyfriend too many questions he he there's the one girl she came in a white dress the bottom half of her dress was completely covered in blood and she had a little toy doll with an extension cord wrapped around its waist which led under her dress yeah. right wow man yeah like so aborted it, fetus yeah yeah basically it had like a big giant bottle of wine in her other hand this is my first week there and you know seeing this and they're like you should come to our party that we're having this well i thing. live there yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah exactly okay. i live there Okay. Uh, so I'm like, shit, this is where I live now. So I got completely hammered. 3 a.m., I'm in a drunken stupor, like, hunched over in my new backyard watching, like, 2,000 kids re- uh, mud wrestling, like a kiddie pool full of mud, right? Uh, so it kind of just was like that the whole time, like, just a lot of partying and stuff. And I mostly kept to myself. You know, I thought fake injury party kids are cool. We're friendly with each other. What are they doing now? You said they're on, like, YouTube or whatever? They they have a YouTube channel, Fake Injury Party. You Google them. They do skits, and they put out their own little uh, zines and stuff. And they're kind of like, you know, Team Macho? No. Okay. Well, they're kind of... They're sort of like them. Sort of like them. It's like a collective of artists, and they put out... They they pool their their talents to make their art, because they're all good friends cool so so like they they put on these fake injury parties well they they were different there was like a lights out party where they took out all the lights the new year's party was crazy Um, oh what was the new year's party like it was just a new year's party they i come home from christmas break and they're like hey check out james we got a a smoke machine for new year's like why fucking smoke machine it was uh, it ended up being pretty bad because um the smoke machine was fine. It was really cool, and everyone like had a great time, and it was, the place was packed. But then uh, the one drunk guy, he wanted more smoke, so he grabbed a fire extinguisher and let, let you know 
shot off the fire extinguisher in the middle of our kitchen with, with just packed with people. And the thing most people don't realize about fire extinguishers is they don't really like smother the fire so much as they suck the oxygen out of the fire, wow. away of the fire. So you do that in a crowded room, like you're basically like sucking all the air out of everyone's lungs. So we had people like passing out in our house. They had to be like pulled out into the backyard and stuff. Uh, I was like downstairs while this was happening, but yeah, I wake up the next morning, like the, literally my front door is off its hinges. Like I have no front door in the middle of January. It was like crazy party. Wow. Yeah. And then like the one they were planning right before the place burned down was the, the black metal party. They were going to have, they're going to, everyone's going to dress in corpse paint. They were going to go butcher, get pig's heads and put them on pikes around the house and they're just going to play death metal all night and just mosh all night and it was like they were so excited for it and then the house burned down so this is like the atmosphere that you're living in right and you're keeping yourself trying to study whatever what do they do during the week like like they they have, have like a great they have fun they have fun you know they hang out a lot watch a lot of videos and drink and yeah 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 you know, but like they were they going to school they were going they were to going school, school. they were yeah. they went to uh, illustration too they were a year behind me ah i see i yeah. see cool uh yeah they were just having a good time yeah yeah so so when did the what happened was, with the with your with the whole place burning down like it's probably our landlord it. it's probably our landlord honestly all right so what so like take me through the day i mean you, well, you sort of set the scene and the types of parties that we was went happening. we went over to hamilton because one, one of the guys in my class he had like a little art show out there so we all went jumped on the the train without paying and went over to hamilton and then i i ended up getting stuck with some other people in hamilton didn't get wasn't able to get home until like eight in the morning the next day completely hung over and this was Valentine's Day. So I'm like in bed most of the Valentine's day. Valentine's Day what year? 2008. No, 2009. Okay. 2009, I think. Eventually I got up and got some dinner and stuff. And How'd you get gym. stuck in Hamilton? Just was there too late. We went to a oh, bar oh, after, okay. yeah. drinking too much, lost and, track of the time. Yeah, Don't and, know my way around Hamilton. So. Yeah, no go train or whatever. Yeah, the go yeah, train yeah. stops after like midnight or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I was stuck in Hamilton. So I'm like sitting up around three in the morning because I've been sleeping all day. Yeah. So I'm trying to do some work now. I'm watching The Wild Bunch on my laptop. You ever see The Wild Bunch? Yeah, I, I know it a little bit, yeah. There's a scene where they track down the uh, Mexican warlord that uh, massacred the the Mexican guy in The, the Wild Bunch's yeah, uh, yeah. village. And uh, he realizes his girlfriend is with the warlord, and he's, like, just fuming mad. And there, he just gets so mad, he just jumps up in the middle and screams and shoots the girl in the chest. And just as, like, her chest is exploding all the viscerals going everywhere like my fucking fire alarm goes off in the hallway i'm like somebody come in burn some toast i look out my door my whole hallway is filled with smoke i'm like oh shit my house so you're just watching the movie i'm just watching the movie drawing motorcycle gang and shit no 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 that's um a western it's a western western yeah yeah yeah. sam pick what am i saying yeah yeah it's a western and you're just watching the movie, just on the couch watching the movie. You just got I was home. in my chair at my desk. You just got home? No, I've been home all day, most of the day. Okay. I've been asleep most of the day, sleeping off my hangover. Okay. Because I got home, I'd been up all night, and I'd been, well, I was completely trashed. And uh, not feeling very well. So Okay. Yeah, so... Bas- so it was, it was like a normal day. You're watching. You're basically like watching a movie. Yeah, basically working, drawing and working stuff. And drawing and stuff. Were you working on Evil at the time? No, no, no. This was school stuff. School stuff. Uh, yeah, I just grabbed my laptop and my sketchbook, which the things that were on my desk, and put some shoes on, and ran out the back door. So it was smoke in in your hallway. Oh yeah, it's full of smoke. I actually like tried to walk down the hall to see what was going on, but I couldn't get like 
I couldn't get past my kitchen because the, there was no air. And so I had to, I just ran back quick, slammed the door in my room real quick, put my shoes on, grabbed my my stuff. Well, well I could, and ran out the back door. And then the front, ran around the front. The whole front of my house is on fire, right? Holy fuck. Yeah. So, yeah. So you're on the lawn watching your house burn down, basically. Pretty much. Well, I'm in the middle of the street. I'm Where like, are your other roommates and stuff? Uh, it turns out they all went out because the one had his girlfriend. Uh, a couple others just went to Toronto to see their friends. So I was, I didn't even realize this too. I'm not like, you know, I don't keep tabs on these guys. So as far as I know, they're in there. So yeah. Were you, were you like scared? Were you like, where the fuck are are all the, are all the people? Oh yeah. No, I was like fucking nervous wreck, trembling shit. Did you try to like find them or what? Where was I going to (laughs) go? It's either they're inside or they're not. Yeah. (laughs) So so it's basically like, I got to get out of here. Well, I just, you know, I was like screaming just, you know, in the middle of the street. And this girl came up and was like, you got a cell phone? Call 911. She called 911. It's like, uh, my hands now just went down, sat on the curb, watched my house burn down. Wow. Yeah, pretty much. What was going through your head? I don't even remember. Oh, probably probably what you expect <laughs> like holy shit what do i do oh now? jesus did you guys have like did you guys have like insurance or anything after everything i wasn't able to get back to my house until inside my house until the sunday i had to like go there in the middle of the night and like use a piece of glass to cut open the the screen of my my uh the window because i didn't have my, i ran out without my keys okay and kick open my window and crawl in through it and i jumped down and like at that point like the roof had caved in and fell through the floor into my one of my other roommates uh beds and like you know everything upstairs was ruined by smoke damage i looked around in my room and it's like the nothing was wrong they looked like the firefighters took their shoes off so really your room was like preserved oh yeah so, so i didn't lose anything so, so you didn't I, lose anything no i didn't lose anything wow i was the only one that didn't lose anything that's that's so lucky so like i think that was my karma just because i wasn't the one doing all this partying and crazy stuff i, I, I was just so. an innocent bystander so so what what was preserved like i guess you had my your books. drawing table your light table all that yeah, stuff. My, i had my drawing table i had my books i had you know my some of my documents uh, my clothes, my bed, you know, it was all there. It was all there. It's all fun. that's amazing. Yeah, holy. And and did the firefighters ever tell you why? Like, is it just because it's location just of your house? My the fire was in the front of the house in the living room. I'm at the back of the house in the basement. Yeah, and I had enough uh, presence of mind to shut my door on the way out, so there was any wasn't any smoke damage. Wow, that's yeah. so lucky. You must have been like yes. Pretty much, I'm yeah. I was best. kind of, I was on a bit of a high after that. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, totally. But yeah. So what did you do? Like your house burned down. In I front was of like, you? I had six weeks left of school, and I was just by the end, I was so burnt out and had like no fucks left to give. Yeah, yeah. Because honestly. school was stressful on top of it, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. yeah. Well, you know, I'm like trying to wrap up my tenure there and like have. Uh, so did you like couch surf for like the last six weeks, or what? Did, what I did would you do? Sleep at. I my godmother lives in Oakville actually, okay. but if I wanted to, I had a place. But because it's the end of school, I had so much work to do that I ended up just staying there all night and sleeping. And like I only need to do that like three times a week. The rest of the week, I could just at go your back go- to at your godmother's house. No, I could go back to Toronto because I didn't need to be in Oakville for class. Right? Oh, uh, okay. You know? So yeah. you just, so you stayed in the school pretty much for part of it for, for most part of, of it, it for most of it yeah and you were like sleeping in the school kind of yeah sleeping on the floor i'd try and stay up as late as i could yeah as and much then, as i could because yeah. you're trying to like 
be there you're sort of squatting a little bit like you're trying to be there well, i pay enough money yeah, yeah you exactly you let me stay there exactly so like so like you're like always the last to leave but you don't well, leave. i, I couldn't just, leave you just you just sleep there. at that point like you know um a lot of people were staying over yeah just because you had so much work to do yeah, it was like so the last it was, it was we're fine. wrapping up uh yeah. school yeah but yeah i was pretty burnt out i still had some electives i needed but uh, couldn't be bothered to get them at that point. Wow, wow. Yeah. And it sounds like, like, school wasn't really, like, I mean, you you weren't feeling it. You were sort of burnt out, like. Well, it's just, you know, it's, electives are silly. Yeah. You just want to learn how do to Do what you can. Like, what, what, am I you, gonna, what am I going to do with a Bachelor in Arts and Illustration, honestly? Yeah, 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 yeah. You exactly. Know? You just want to People draw. are going to, people will look at my portfolio and see if they want to buy it or not. Yeah, exactly. So all the electives don't really matter. What were your electives? Do you remember? Uh, They're different every... I I took like feminist writing course one year. I took like a science fiction course, Greek character course and stuff like that. It's just... One of them was like art history. So it's just kind of, you know, standard stuff. Crazy. Yeah. All right. So so you get out of there. So I get get out of school. get out of that really stressful environment. And then... Uh, just kind of stall, and then I think Evil came out like my frustration of like the direction of my life and wasn't really going anywhere. All right, so let's get into Evil because we're finally at this point where you're out of school and you're starting to think about Evil. So, what are you thinking about at that point? What is the genesis of Uh, Evil as an idea? Honestly, I think I had a bit of agoraphobia after the fire. It was hard for me to like get out of the house and do stuff or be around people. The one thing, like, would get me out of the house is Wednesday, so I go buy my comics, right? I really just want to do a comic book, and I tried a few times to do it. Like, to actually sit down and do, like, a, you know, 23-page book that looks professional and everything. Do it all yourself, all the coloring, all the lettering. It's a lot harder than you think, and you basically need to teach yourself all these things, right? Right. With the first issue, I just wanted, I wasn't so concerned with the story, or I just wanted to look professional, and just put out something professional and have fun making it. And that's kind of like why it's so crazy and there's so much nudity and sex and violence. <laughs> so I like like exploitation movies. Like I'm a big Russ Meyer fan, like, you know, Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. I like, you know. So a lot of like your energy and frustration and stress from the fire. Oh, just life in general. Yeah. And life in general. What what were you going through at that point? Just like trying to recover from Sheridan and... Uh, just trying all... to like figure out how to make money off this art, which wasn't really happening. So <laughs> kind of, that was kind of the big frustration, not going anywhere. Not going not going anywhere with the art, trying to... Yeah. Did you try to like get jobs and little bit, they, little weren't bit. Ha- they weren't happening? It wasn't happening. Yeah. And also, like I was saying, it was hard for me to even like get out of the house or... Yeah. Yeah. So you thought, you know, and that's well, I should just do my own book, yeah, know, just for myself, really. Yeah, and then, and then, like you're, it's like the perfect time because right. it's hard for you to get out of the house, right? right so right. you can't really procrastinate. Like if there's any time to like oh, dedicate just, yourself uh, to a I would comic, just, it'd be it'd be then, right? Right. I would just sit around like twelve hours a day working on the thing, and what? I would get like annoyed with myself because I had to sleep. My body was was uh get too tired to keep going so yeah wow yeah so the people that aren't in toronto or they've never picked up evil maybe they're in toronto but they've never heard of this book tell them sort of what's in it and what's Um, the plot evil basically is about this character this mass luchador character named samson destroyer his uh girlfriend is maria is kidnapped by this evil satanist 
cult called the Space Thunder Death Cult. They're going to sacrifice her at midnight, open a portal of hell, bring forth electric demons on this earth tonight, all mankind, and he needs to kill them all before midnight and save the world, basically. And then issue two, there was a bit of a detour with, um, it was kind of like a father-daughter story about, um, it was kind of a Hulk Hogan parody about this character, Bobby the Bernard. He wanted to fight Satan in a wrestling match because that's a thing in this world. But his daughter tries to talk it out and it fails. And it's just, it'll all tie back together, actually. Like, a lot of people got thrown off by issue two because it was completely different from issue one. Yeah. But I needed a break after I did issue one because I spent, like, over a year on it trying to, like, trying and failing to start it and then, you know, the whole thing. I'd actually started working by that point. By the time I'd finished it, I'd been in a job for a few months, or quite a number of months. But um, and is this the factory? The this fact- is the factory yeah, job. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Number one took so long. I want number two just to be like this self-contained thing. If I'd never had enough time to finish another comic, like you could just read one and two, and they'd be like complete, compact stories. But as I go on, this one I'm working on, it will make it pretty apparent, like why I, I split it up. The ultimate goal is to have these, like, a publisher reprint them and distribute them properly with, like, all the different stores. I'm thinking, like, it might be best if I put one and two together in the first issue, just get it out of the way so no one's confused, and do just this giant 45 or 48 page first issue with the two stories. So, where are you going? Like, without spoiling things for people, it's what um, is the sort of overall plan that you have going on? Um, there's going to be one more issue issue five and that will be the first volume and then there will be a second volume which i'm not sure how long it's going to be how long it's going to take me to do or really how i'm going to execute the ideas i have because it kind of the plot takes like a complete left turn so what so like what's going to happen to the character don't tell me what's going to happen to the characters but like where um are we going in terms of the sort of thing that, you know, the characters are going to face and that sort of thing. Dakota Bernard, the, the the daughter of the Hulk Hogan parody, she's going to be a significant part of the next two issues. Don't want to spoil it, but Bobby Bernard's not quite done yet, so. I see, I see, yeah. I see. So, so, those, so the character from the first issue and the character from the second issue, they're going to meet and it's going to be, yeah. like they're going to be part of the same They're all connected. Thing. Like, if you read issue three, at the very end of issue three, you see the f- issue one and num- issue two actually take place over the same night and they sort of overlap one another. I see. Yeah, like at the end of issue three, you see Dakota's reaction to what happened at the end of issue one, right? Yeah. It so, is a bit complicated, I know. It's totally, true. totally. Yeah, but... So, yeah, but like, we were talking about your influences and when I read it, I mean, it looked, it was like crazy. It was like nihilistic and like oh, yeah. the things you were saying in terms of... In terms well, it's, of it's like, very nihilistic place, but yeah. This is sort of an art student frustrated going like i don't give a fuck i'm just gonna like do whatever i can and like put whatever i all my energy into this into this one place yeah and i don't really care what i'm drawing or anything like there's no rules to this or anything pretty much but like censorship ruins everything sorry the little comics authority slash it's kind of like a joke that's kind of like how i feel about art and people who might not like the content of my stuff well talk talk about it like do do you do you get a lot of backlash not really i think most people just leave me to it do you face like any hardship in terms of like like, there's people fighting against like because you seem to have very strong opinions about i'm very yeah i'm very strong i feel very strongly against censorship art is harmless it doesn't matter 
the media media is a reflection of society, but people today seem to think it's the other way around. I feel you're not going to accomplish anything trying to censor artists. So where does that feeling come from? Did you did you like grow? just always felt that way? I think it's like kind of the punk rock kid in me. Just yeah, you know, grew up with the internet. You know, people started taking notice of you. I mean, what was the reaction that you got from uh, Evil it when it started? Really, coming out? pretty positive. You know, everyone I've ever shown it to, they. Uh, they at least really respond to the art, you know. You know, a lot of, like, the local people who work professionally, like uh, Alfonso Ofeña, he's really supportive every time I see him. Mike Del Mundo is, like, really supportive, just has, like, nothing but great things to tell me and just keep plugging away. Tim Steely, you know, he does, like... It, he writes stuff for uh, DC now, I think. He's yeah. like, I showed him, and it's like, oh, this is great. I would love to give you give you something if I knew what to give you. <laughs> so, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean... I think, I feel at this point it's kind of inevitable, but yeah. Does it frustrate you that you're outside of the, I think of the, the mainstream, or, I think if or I does it excite fa- you? I think if, if I was faster, I think the main thing that frustrates me about my art is kind of just the the amount of time it takes. I think that's my biggest handicap. It takes me a long time to do this, but that's with a full-time job and me doing everything on top of that. If I could just like focus and do it, I'd like to have a go at it. Yeah, yeah. So what is your process? Because you're... Your stuff is very like it's realistic. It looks mm-hmm. kind of like you're taking like you know you're cutting up magazines and like pasting things down, even yeah. though it's like a draw, even though it's like a drawing style. So what do you actually what do I you do, actually do? I do use a lot of photo reference, but that's not to say I trace. I just draw it. Yeah, yeah. I don't I, trace stuff. I know, and but, like, use, that's a, but I'm just trying to give yeah. like a feel of what it looks like. Well, like I say, I do use photo reference yeah. to get mostly the faces. I'm very particular about faces. I figure, I feel if you can like convey a bit of the character through the look in his eyes and stuff, like people are very forgiving about the rest of the drawing. Oh, okay. So you gotta nail the face. Pro tip: get good at drawing faces. I draw it out and I ink it right then, and I scan it in, and it's all assembled and computer and colored in Photoshop. And doing the lettering, so, and it it's very like rough. It's very oh, yeah. like think like think like punk rock. Like think like the homemade very DIY grimy. records. Yeah, like I actually go kind of I go a lot of lengths to make it look very grimy and stuff. A lot of filters and um, working with different opacities with the color, so you can see through and using like backgrounds. Oh, yeah, using like grime for the backgrounds, making the texture just make it look older and rougher around the edges. Yeah, I mean, like this is like. One of those like old back room yeah. underground comics oh, that yeah. you'd pick up, you know, in the sixties, right. like at the Robert Crumb era, or like you know those sorts of those it, sorts of guys. In right? a perfect world, like I would, it, the paper stock would be newsprint if I could like find somebody that would actually do it for me. Every uh, printer I've talked to said, "Ah, you don't, you don't want. Yeah. I don't want to mess around with paper or uh, newsprint." so it is yeah. kind of it is kind of a throwback in it a is way, yeah right? well it is like the initial spark of inspiration was um we talked about el santo no um yeah it was el santo el santo was the most popular mexican wrestler luchador mexican wrestler of his time he was pretty he was active in the 60s and 70s mostly died in the 80s uh and he was so popular they made movies out of him they made literally dozens and dozens of movies with this guy and they were all, you know, Samson versus the vampire women, Samson versus werewolves, Samson versus leopards. I have a DVD where he fights leopards in one of them. And uh, they're all fucking horrible movies. Just other Trek, like 
almost unwatchable. It's just like I kind of got fascinated by them, but then I once I tracked them down, it's just like this is complete garbage. Like this is you have a mass luchador wrestler fighting werewolves. Why is this so fucking boring? Like how do you fail so bad at life? What is it like? Like they're just give like me like they're just very cheap, low budget Mexican productions. As I understand it, there's a lot of speculations that they were just like schemes to launder drug money. So they would make these movies for 20 cents, but then they would tell them, oh, it took, you know, 20, like $2 million to make this movie. And then that's where they would explain where all the money came from, right? Uh, for their drugs. Because the movie, but they really were just... And then they'd make movie because he was like a popular pulp, uh, you know, folk hero at that point, like, you know, pop hero. How did he Mexico. die? I think natural heart attack, probably. Heart, natural causes. You, know, you know, wrestlers, they, you know, they fall on their face for a living, so... They get their bodies get worn out pretty early. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. And so, so El said it was like the big inspiration. It was kind of the initial one. I wanted to do a fun version of it, and that wasn't boring and terrible. And he's also kind of the visual look of the character is based on another real life wrestler called the Destroyer. He just looks like he looks like Samson. He just looks like he looks. I've seen him without his mask, and he looks like perfectly normal guy somebody's grandfather you'd see down the street but he puts the mask on it's just he looks like he's been mangled and he needs the mask he's just got you know nose has been broken like dozens of times and missing teeth and you know he's got crow's feet looks like they've been carved into the side of his face i just thought he had such great look and i love drawing them so i thought base the character visually around him and he's not your typical action hero type character he's got a bit of a punch to him he's a bit kind of silly and ridiculous wow which amuses me cool yeah that was kind of the inspiration of samson and it seems like you're like obviously you're really into professional wrestling i was for years and years and years as a kid yeah and kind of fell off around 2006 ish and then around that around the time i started doing evil i got into it ironically there's like a whole metatextual level to it if you get, go on the internet now, they have shoot interviews. You can just watch for hours, and it's just the wrestlers out of character talking about their experiences as a wrestler, and like you know, and, and like I love that's what I love about wrestling is yeah. sort of like the behind the scenes politics. The, well, as the a kid, of, I I bought into all yeah. that, all the the kayfabe i bought into the kayfabe yeah, yeah. now kayfabe, i'm like now i'm older who, the kayfabe yeah. for those who aren't into wrestling it's like it's like an expression it's in the industry. like the eternal it's the internal logic of the fantasy yeah, yeah, basically yeah, yeah exactly you know but yeah i bought into all the kayfabe but then like as i got older and got into my 20s i kind of became fascinated with uh what's behind the kayfabe and like the personalities of the people that you know basically man children who you know dress up and put on these little plays for people with violence and these uh, theatrical uh, moves and everything. Mm. And, like, what kind of person would do that for a living? And, like, they actually have, like, where... Everybody says wrestling's fake, but there's actual, like, wear and tear that happens. Oh, yeah. Well, they're, like... They're jumping off of things and landing, like, on their back and on their head all... Every night. Like, Mm -hmm. they get worn out. Hulk Hogan has, like, a little computer in his spine and remote control presses the remote control and sends a uh, electrical shock up his spine to numb the pain because he's his move was he dropped the big boot you know and he just landing on his back the base of his back every night yeah and he would do 200 shows in a year yeah for right. the leg drop doing the leg drop every night yeah and he you know hulk hogan didn't take that many bumps and he's still completely trashed his body is 
Yeah. Yeah. So is that is that what you're into about it now? You're like sort of about the behind the scenes stuff. And yeah, like I started watching. That? I started watching a little bit back uh, in March when WrestleMania time came around, and I stuck with it. I've actually fallen back off of it. And what makes you fall off of wrestling? You know, you got peaks and lows. If the story's not working, if they're pushing the wrong guy, it gets very frustrating, very easy. And there's a lot these days. It's like they've they're kind of in this awkward transition period where they have all these old guys that are big stars and they're trying to, you know, bring up new guys, but they're not. They haven't quite connected with the audience like the old guys, so they're sort of like in this in-between space, where which is need, interesting. Where they need the old guys, but the old guys can't work yeah. as well. Yeah, and, and also the they've guys, been around for 20 years. Right? And there's no new guy that, that has yeah. the juice of like a Stone Cold Steve Austin or a... A lot, of the, a lot of these guys, like they can wrestle better than anybody you've ever seen, but they just don't, they're not quite there yet. Not to say they won't, but like in that aspect, it is interesting to watch, but you know, if you're not... You know, it's usually like when they start pushing the old guys, I start getting bo- bored. Like I stopped watching because I got so sick of John Cena, Randy Orton, and Triple H like every every month in the main event, right? Yeah. And it was just tedium. It was just so bored. I hate all those guys. Like, just, yeah. yeah. And they're so all of them are still around. Like John Cena still wrestles. Randy Orton still wrestles. Yeah. Triple H actually is running the company practically now because yeah. he married ste- the daughter of uh, Vince McMahon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a whole thing, whole thing. Totally, man. And I think for me, like I was into wrestling as a kid, and I yeah. think for me what really, you know, my my era was... We'd be around what, the same era. Where I got really into it was the Attitude Era. I got like, really grade into Grade 11, grade 12, yeah. the I Attitude was, Era. I was a little before that. I was real into Shawn Michaels when he his run. I was I got into it around the same time comics. Like so like the Heart time. Foundation and all, yeah, and all yeah, that shit. Yeah. And I was into it a little bit then, like... like I could tell you when I was six years old that my favorite wrestler was like the Undertaker, like right. the old school purple right, yeah, version yeah. of the Undertaker, With the purple gloves, you and know, the you Paul know what Bear, I mean? Yeah. But then, but like I wasn't really watching it because I mean you were not you weren't allowed to watch wrestling when I was a, when I was a kid. Like, I think that me, my dad my thought parents, it was hilarious. So. <laughs> yeah, my parents wouldn't let me. My my dad was into it, but my mom yeah. wouldn't let me. So my mom didn't like it, but yeah, she really I didn't. Watched it, yeah. I didn't start watching actual wrestling mm. and buying the pay per views and buying into mm. it until. Like the Mankinds and the right. Rocks and the Stone Cold Steve Austins. Well, Mankind, when wrestling's was like yeah. well, wrestling was the most popular. Back right, then. Mankind like, like 90s, debuted right? like right around the ta- time I started watching around '96. Yeah, like it was, when Shawn Michaels had his big push. Yeah, I mean the golden age for me was like yeah. '96, '97, '98, '99, and then 2000. It was 2001, really, 2002. It was really good up until in 2002, 2003, 2004. Like it was pretty good up until then. And it's sort of you know people started dying off eddie guerrero died off chris benoit had that whole thing yeah, yeah you and you know you know what really turned me off too was like every so often they just go too far with the storyline like i remember the thing that really messed me up about wrestling was katie. the katie vick angle. <laughs> i called it the katie vick angle i remember seeing that live too and i had to turn the channel because it was just so cringe and and i was just like what are they doing and, and i know I, everyone was like and i was really into like live audio wrestling right and, and sort of that radio show that comes out of toronto that is you know it's it's about like the behind the scenes and yeah. what's happening and stuff 
But sometimes if you're watching wrestling and you're listening to live audio wrestling and you you know sort of everything that's behind the curtain, you get more depressed. Oh yeah, about what they're doing because they don't because you because you know what they could be doing to make it better. You can have the guy that you like and everyone else likes, but because of reasons backstage, like you know Vince McMahon doesn't quite care for him, so he's not going to push him as the champion. So so the more the more push his son-in-law. Yeah, the more I started to learn about wrestling. Yeah. less I liked what they were doing and had I been a little more of like you know a little more of a the, mark a narc fan <laughs> mark, yeah. I'd be more into it because yeah. I, you know ignorance is bliss it was yeah thing, right I can appreciate on both levels I, I like the theatricalness of it I like the silly stories and the silly characters yeah so then so it then is, I, it's just supposed to be fun so then I yeah. get off of wrestling and I go to MMA right I never that, got into MMA yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But, yeah. uh, yeah. Yeah, so that's crazy. So, and wrestling, like, that kind of old-school wrestling, like, Brutus the Barber, Beefcake. Oh, yeah. Who was that dude that got murdered in the shower? Oh, uh, Bruiser Brody. Bruiser Brody. Like, that is the sort of thing that sort of influences it's really the int- comic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I don't know about Bruce Beefcake, but, Yeah. Like, if you look at the... I got some pages we brought in a new issue. Like, there's okay. some characters that are just basically... I, I had to come up... There you go. That page. I had to come up with uh, the members of the Space Thunder Death Call. So, there's about 20 of them. So, yeah. Like, some of them are just, like, literally, I just lifted the fucking wrestler. Like, what, there's Sabu is in there. In this issue, and, and I'm just going to describe it, because by the time this comes out, I'll just, I'll just give a little bit of a preview. Is that okay? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So... So we see the members of the Space Thunder Death Cult, and what I'm looking at right now—that's going to be a double page spread, and, that... and and it's obviously a double page spread because I'm because I'm I'm have it horizontally, and and what I'm looking at, like you got guys that kind of look like a tribal version of like Red Tornado from DC Comics. You've yeah. got a Bane-ish character in here. Uh, you've got you've got guy like people with like total wrestling names like Ginger Snap. Mm-hmm. Is I had like a contest on the. I have a Facebook fan page for okay. Eagle, and I um, would post up a picture of the character and be like, "What? What, what should I name him?" So, this was all the names were uh, decided by committee. Basically. Ah, I see. So I see, but it's cool. Like there's there's like a lion in here. Oh yeah, it's sort Wilford, of like yeah. all of a sudden there's like Chronicles of Narnia thing with the li- <laughs> with the lion. Well, yeah, you know? uh, uh, the villain Manson. He that's his pet lion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's blind. So Does he, he talk, the lion? No, he doesn't talk. He doesn't talk. Oh, he gets uh, he gets taken care of. There's like an Iron Sheik like character here. Well, that's that, basically that that's basically uh, that's basically Sabu. If you know Sabu, yeah, 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 Sabu yeah. from from uh, ECW, ECW yeah. with the full on like the headscarf head yeah. and everything. Yeah, but yeah. Well, he's like yeah, he's one of my favorite wrestlers to draw. He's just got such great look. And then you've got like Frank Gorshin oh, yeah. as the Riddler Pretty much, looking yeah. guy. It is. His Frank name Gorshin. is Cesario. Yeah, it's um somebody suggested that it's from a Shakespeare play. It's cuz uh the fact he's a eunuch is going to be a plot point. So <laughs> I'm just going to leave that there. Oh, uh, okay. Without okay, spoiling cool. anything. Cool, cool. But it's man, good. like if if you're not reading this comic, like you you should pick it up. I mean, yeah. You can order. You can get them online from you, can't you? Like, oh yeah. If, they, I, if I, they write you, can they get? You can, can they email get the comic? me. Uh, you can order through my PayPal using my uh, uh, email address, James Edward Clark at Gmail. 
All okay. one word. No E in Clark. So help me God if you put an E at the end of Clark. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I do it as like, I sell them as like a package deal. Shipping is completely out of control. So um, it comes with a sketch and you basically, you pay a bit extra, but you're paying for the sketch, original piece of artwork. And yeah. you can go on lot, you can go on my Tumblr there. There's a whole, whole all sorts of examples of ones I've done for people. They're like, you know, I do like a full watercolor sketch and you get zines and stickers too so uh you know it's about 40 bucks for the for all three issues i'd pay 40 bucks for that yeah i i try to make as much uh get as much bang for your buck as you can the books are great uh you get original piece of artwork of anything you want and not just like a little dinky sketch like this is a watercolor draw a painting basically that i do um and some zines you get the rob ford zine you get some other zines i've made you get uh says stickers right so nice yeah. nice that's awesome and that's just uh it's just so i can actually make a profit like sending it through the mail right yeah yeah, yeah for yeah. sure so where are you gonna take evil um i'm actually thinking like uh doing a kickstarter to collect it all get issue five done and ready to go and use it as an incentive for people like if you pay if you donate five dollars i'll email you a pdf file of issue four of issue five so you can be reading the book tonight if you want and then you know i could do like for 20 bucks or 30 bucks like i could send you a pdf of the whole series and you read the whole series and it's not going to be one of those things where you gotta wait a year or two to read the book nice nice yeah so have you been able to use um the juice off of evil to like get i mean you've obviously got mainstream attention by a lot a of bit, bit. people I think what is your ultimate goal for your comics do you just want to continue evil I just as like want to make a living sitting at home creator? drawing all day yeah i would like to do creative just do my own stuff that'd be ideal but yeah uh, eventually i guess you know i'm going to need to like start doing stuff for like dc and stuff to get to the next level the thing that i like about this is like you know you know that image comics is like doing wonderful things mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. so i feel like this style would be great it would like really i think um book. it's pretty unique to what everything else that's out there I, yeah I, i'll say that at least for it so yeah but um yeah uh i would ideally in a perfect world yeah image would reprint it if not image dark horse and not dark horse because i think what you really need is like yeah. wider distribution that is like the like, big i think you should go like i think you got the great idea with yeah. the book like forget right. working for marvel or dc absolutely i think you, you just need wider distribution so it that can is go like across canada problem. or yeah. across north america i want to yeah, get i want to get um as much distribution as i can that is the problem the problem also is um takes me so long to do an issue that i want to have the first volume done and in the can, so they just come out like clockwork every month. Yeah, there's yeah. no delay, and then you can use. So yeah, there's that momentum for, for yeah. to do the rest of it. Right, right. While right. all the other issues are coming out. Right, right, right. And I can so, start the next volume. Yeah, looking, yeah, like, yeah. You know. So how many issues are in this volume? The there's going to be five. Five. Okay. So this fourth one is like the penultimate one in this thing. Yeah, I'm and look- this is like where the action really ramps up. I'm looking at like like printouts yeah. of issue four. So issue it's four about, isn't quite out yet, or I'm like two thirds of the way done the drawings. Okay, uh, that's about fifteen pages worth of uh, colored stuff there. But even those pages still need some work. Okay, yeah. I, it's still a few months off. I'm actually getting really frustrated with my progress on this book. It's just taking forever. But this is like already like going to be, I can tell, going to be the best one I've done yet. Okay, cool. And um, 
is it's going to be very dense the artwork and it sounds like a lot of key plot stuff is going to be revealed like yes. you're revealing who you know the the cult is and well that you knew who that was but like you actually meet the cult and they, there's yeah. a confrontation yeah and um you know um you find out like what the deal like what the deal is with why we took the detour in issue two with dakota and bobby nice and uh it'll all tie together i think nice nice yeah. and it start looking like a cohesive whole yeah if you read if you got if you get the all four of these issues i think you read right through you'll see like it'll make a lot more sense nice nice and yeah. like so this is sort of like the climax and then the next issue will be sort of like the, the next issue is action the, there is a big fall in the next one but yeah no next issue is definitely the climax oh okay cool but uh so the end or just the beginning nice nice type sort of deal that's awesome all right, man. So, uh, is there anything else that, I, that you well, want to touch on? Yeah, you had a birthday. Okay. Didn't you? I did. I, we I, are recording this around the time of my birthday. Uh, November 12th is my actual birthday, but my birthday party happened uh, November 14th, which was last yesterday, night. last yeah. night. So. Well, I got you a present. You did? I did. Here. Oh. I wrapped it myself. Okay, let, let's check this out. I've never, I've never unwrapped a gift live on the podcast this it's exciting is a, stuff this is the first time some that this exciting is radio right here so okay so th- th- what i what i have here is like a black bag it's a beautifully wrapped present Aaron. and there's something soft in it <laughs> and it's black and I'm, I'm gonna like unfurl it i'm trying to describe it to the people yeah, hold it up so everyone can see let's see we don't have video here so well it's that joking, might be but... tough but i oh my god it's like a Oh, watch your mic there. Oh, hold on. Watch the mic here. The only good human is a barbecued human. Uh, oh, look around. And look at the other side. Wait, other wait. Side. So I got to describe this side first because I don't know what's on the other side yet. Oh, well, the so other this is, it's like a cow that's like in like a, he's wearing like a costume. The only good human is a barbecued human. And then the other side says, what? This is awesome. <laughs> The adventures into weird tales of the future. <laughs> and it's like it's like a Mars attacks, like Mars exploitation mm-hmm. like type of like sci-fi movie. Yeah. Think like Grindhouse, but and like It's kinda like a cover for a really weird comic. Yeah, it like, would be like a yeah. total cover for a weird comic. I love these kind of movies. Oh, yeah. When you were talking about like like the grindhouse style oh, type yeah. of movies and stuff. Like this is the stuff that I'm into. <laughs> Not only that, but I have such a great big like t-shirt collection. <laughs> I think this one might be. That's an extra large. I want to make sure it fits. But yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll be good, really, man. Yeah. I'll grow uh, into it. I'll I'll like beef myself up. I do jujitsu, oh, yeah. so awesome, I can do man. that. I'll yeah. put it in the laundry and I can <laughs> shrink it up a little now, bit. I spent two whole dollars on that, so you better wear it. That's Aaron. yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I went to Black Market. They had like a two dollar rack there. Thank you yeah. so much, man. I got this one at Black Market too. Naked picture of Iggy Pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a. He's He's got a young version of Iggy Pop, naked, not yeah. the wiry old Nicky, Iggy Pop. When he was young and beautiful. Yeah. When he was young and beautiful, naked picture of, of Iggy Pop. That's awesome. I'm a man. big Iggy Pop fan. This is great. I'm totally gonna wear this. Awesome. Man. There, are, I have very few shirts that are <laughs> double, double sided. Double sided. I yeah. even see the cow at the back. Actually, just now, I just thought the, uh, I thought the front was cool. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you like it. 
I, I love it. It's awesome. awesome and man. and the listeners got to, you know, they probably are, we we shared it with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're probably shutting off now because they're like, what the hell? He's he's <laughs> self-indulgent and unwrapping his own gifts on the podcast. Well, I made you now. unwrap it. I've done it. I th- this was a very strategic uh thing moment. For me. Strategic. I planned this out. So. Awesome. Awesome. So so if you don't like it, blame Jed James, James Edward Clark. Clark. And uh, <laughs> pick up his comic. Evil. Where can people find you online? Uh, I have... Don't go on my blog spot. I haven't updated in years. I'm mostly on Tumblr these days. Uh, JamesEdwardClark.tumblr.com. You can email me at JamesEdwardClark at gmail.com. Uh, my Twitter is JamesEdwardClark with the K cut off because they only let you have 15 characters in your uh, username. So just... Type in James Edward Clark, you'll find me. Nice. Are you on Twitter? I'm on Twitter. I was just saying, yeah. Oh, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. You I, have me on Twitter now. I do. I yeah. do have him on Twitter. Uh, we'll be promoting the heck out of this this uh, podcast awesome. before it comes out. So hopefully I will, people will notice. I will pimp it on all my social media That's stuff, awesome. Sure. Uh, I just want to say sort of what we've got coming up. Uh, as of this recording, we've got... Uh, Kalman Androsovsky coming up. We've got Scott Hepburn coming up, and we've got James Edward Clark. So Yay. there should be a lot of great episodes uh, forthcoming with uh, with Speech Bubble. And uh, yeah, I, I just want to thank you for coming out. Well, thanks for having me. I had a great time. Awesome. Okay, so until next time, this is the end of Speech Bubble. Take care, everyone. Speech Bubble, the podcast that goes one-on-one with Toronto's comic book luminaries. See you next time. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. Never Sleeps Network.